0: So, Father, thank you that uh, we're here. Thank you that uh, the storm passed whilst we didn't have to make too much of a journey. Thank you, Lord, that um, you are with us in all the storms of life, that that's what you promised, that um, you will walk with us and that we don't walk alone. Lord, help us to recognize that you are there with us. Help us to be so aware of your presence that we start not to be anxious at all and not to have fear and we actually find that we are walking with joy and with peace because we know that we know that we know that you're there. Lord, I pray that you would do that because we can't, actually. We can't manufacture that. We can't help us to hit, to feel your presence with us, Lord, and to really know that everything you say in your word is true and that we can depend on it. And, Lord, as we go into this next chapter of Luke's gospel, help us to understand what it is you want us to know, and to decide that we will live on the basis of what you tell us. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for the great joy that awaits us when we do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so a part of the homework for this last week, we had two weeks actually to do it, was uh, to look at the functions of faith that Luke describes in the chapters that we're in. So um, Last time, in, in Luke 17, we began last time in Luke 17, and uh, from verse 9, he talks about um, what faith does, actually. Um, and when I said, so that's what I mean by the functions of faith, what faith enables us to do. Um, I think I've said in the past that faith, the, the way I like to understand faith, and I'm not necessarily saying this is the only way, but the way I like to understand it is that faith is simply the channel through which we receive God's truth and his blessing. And so actually, when you think of it that way, every one of us has that same channel. You know, people say to you, I wish I had your faith. Well, the answer is, you can have my faith. And actually, my faith most of the time is not that deep and it's not that strong. And that channel, that uh, tunnel, if you like, gets a lot blocked with detriment and debris that I allow to 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 block that channel but the faith itself is 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 just the channel through which god will pour out his blessing and and actually i think that's slightly confirmed in first peter chapter 1 verse 3 no verse 5 where god says that he protects us by his power through faith so his protection his powerful protection, actually, is coming to us through this channel that we call faith. And um, and so some of the things that Jesus talks about here are the things that that channel stimulates in us um, because because faith is a doing word, right? Mm-hmm. So God is pouring out his a uh, blessing to us through that. But we have to go along with that. So we have to make sure the channel is free you know, of, of rubbish. We need to make sure that the, the tunnel is, is uh, clean. We need to make sure all of the things that we can do to go along with what God is going to pour out. And that's really was the thinking behind what are the functions of faith. So could someone read from Luke 17, verse 9 to 19, please? Uh Actually, sorry, that should be 11. So, yeah, verse 11. Thank you. 11 to 19. Thank you.
1: While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? For the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand out and go, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank
0: you, um, everybody knows this story if you've read, if you 've read your Bible at all, you know this account of the lepers, and a lot of the time, the focus is on the nine who didn 't thank the Lord and the one who did and that 's a, that's a you know a, a reasonable focus, a good focus. But what really struck me last time and I think we shared was the the process of the healing that happened. Um, In verse 14, it says, When he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. And it's that phrase, as they were going, that really struck me last time. That they had to go in order to receive the cleansing. So it wasn't that Jesus... Because normally, the leprous people would go to the priest and they would anoint them with oil and they would do whatever they do and then hopefully they would be cleansed. But these people lepers were cleansed before they got to the priest and they were cleansed because they actually trusted and acted on God's, on Jesus' word. And so that to me was really important and I started to dig into it and last time we looked at uh, all the things that we are told to do which will, uh, which, which we're enabled to do. And so my title for that function was Faith Stimulates Obedience. You will only do what Jesus says because you ob- when you obey him. You'll only receive what he's going to give you when you obey him. Okay. Okay. Obedience is key to, f- to f- uh, the f- right functioning of faith. Mm-hmm. So, Because you can say that you have faith, but if you don't ever obey what God has told you to do, then actually what you have at best is a really broken down channel that is not allowing any of the blessings of God into your soul. Mm-hmm. Because obedience shores up the tunnel. It makes sure there's no cracks. It, it enables God to pour out, as I say, this blessing. And that's what happened here. And so I was thinking, okay, how are we doing with that obedience? Really, how are we doing with it? And I looked up some things that we're told, Jesus told us to do, and that is we are to forgive. We're to forgive, and that forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. It's not dependent on them saying sorry. It's not dependent on them uh, asking for reconciliation. We are to forgive because Jesus says so. I mean, it's a hard thing. And for me in my generation, that was exactly the opposite. If you told me to do something, that was certainly the thing I didn't want to do because there's this rebelliousness in me. That's why the evidence of faith is my obedience because it's contrary to my human nature. And we all have that rebelliousness. You may not have it as pronounced as I had it, but you, you, you will still have it because it's part of the human nature nature, the human psyche. So there's that. We're told in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 to hold no bitterness. Well, how are we doing with that? It's Ephesians 4 verse 31. Mm -hmm. Hold no bitterness. It's in that section. Let no slander, no bitterness, no anger, you know, in um, chapter 4. How are you doing with that? Because we get bitter about so many things. We're bitter because life's dealt us a hard blow. We're bitter because our parents weren't what they should have been. We're bitter because our husband or our wife is not what he or she should be. We're bitter because we didn't get that job that we wanted and we don't have the money that we need. And We can start to build up this bitterness in us because bitterness stems from the idea that I deserve to have those things and I haven't got them. And therefore, this bitter kind of spirit starts to develop. That's uh, a worldly thing I think it's a human thing. Mm. I think it's a human thing, mm. and that's why I think we're told very specifically, "Hold no bitterness." Mm. Now that's, a, that's something you have to do, because mm. you'll become bitter, naturally. It just happens. Because again, that's human nature. So we will become bitter. So we have to stop the bitterness. It's almost like there's the channel of there's your the channel the faith There's your faith, and that's the nice clean tunnel, and up along comes this bitterness, and it starts to put down roots and starts to build up this can of weeds and worms at the entrance to that tunnel you should have had that I mean I thought God wanted you to be happy and and you know you've been a good wife why haven't you got a good husband and and you worked really hard and you worked long hours and why haven't you got the pension that person's got and why don't you live in a house that looks like that and and why is it so why is my life so hard why do my kids not believe do I, why is this why is that and suddenly that little thing starts to grow up in the mouth of the channel and it blocks the way for the blessing of God.
2: Can I say something? This sounds really <laughs> rude. Okay. I don't mean it. Well,
0: then, yeah. Before I was a Christian, I used to see the
2: good in yeah. everybody. Um, I wasn't a nasty person.
3: I didn't bitch about people or say things behind people's back. I was
2: just wasn't like that. But since I've been a Christian
0: all this stuff, and I'm thinking, where's this come from? Well, it was just deep down, Julia. It was just deep down. Julia, you know, you're a sinner, saved by grace. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. There are some sins you knew about in your life, and there were some you didn't, and God is so gracious. If he dumped all the knowledge of that sin on you in the beginning, you wouldn't have got up off the floor. Mm. You'd have had to stay there because the amount of your sin was overwhelming. I'll, I'll talk about me, not you. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have got up off the floor. But it was very slowly that God unveiled, mm. and and revealed the sin in my life, and that's what He's done for you. Mm. So you had that in you. Yeah. You just covered it. Mm. And and it was, or even it was just, it was covered subconsciously, mm. but it was there. I know. I know, it's hard. But, you know, welcome to the human race. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. And actually, one of those things, because you can do that, can't you? I had a conversation with someone about I, a year after I'd prayed to receive the Lord, and I know I was a Christian, and I had this, in a crowd of people, I said, I said, well, I just don't get this sin thing, really. I know Jesus died for my sin, but, you know, I don't think of myself as really bad. And there was this silence, (laughs) you know, and everyone didn't know what to say because they didn't want to kind of be too hard on me, but there were obviously some sins they'd seen that I hadn't seen. And so God was gracious, very gracious. So I shall look forward to hearing what's going on. (laughs) Okay, so no bitterness. He tells us in the same chapter, Ephesians 4 verse 6, to cast off fear that it's something we shouldn't allow to remain. So you, you will be afraid. We're all afraid at different times. And we get anxious. And we, we, we're afraid. And because we don't cast off the fear, we become ansi- anxious. Because the fear is just... Anxiety is just a, a rolling over of fear. And so we're told to cast it off. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your... Uh, cares on the lord thank you linda for he cares for you same word care is anxiety um, we're told to hold every thought captive to the obedience of christ that's second corinthians 10 verse 5 so how are you doing with that it is hard everybody finds it hard what did you say Alan? change
1: your mind
0: <sighs> yeah change your mind well how did yeah it's hard to do Because that thought lodges and it starts to go over in your mind. And there's some truth in it. That's the thing. There's some truth in it. It's like the coronavirus, you know. There's some truth that, that that's not a nice thing and that we need to be careful. There's truth in that. There's truth in, well, what are we going to do? I mean, how am I going to protect my kids and grandkids? And you know, maybe I should just go off into the country and spend time on my own. You know, what what should I do? And those things start to go over in your mind. Hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and put on the full armor and wield the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit hasn't been given to us so that we just put it in its scabbard and leave it there. It's been given to us so that we actually use it. What's the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. So we are to use the Word of God. Well, how are you doing with that? So when those thoughts come, and uh, the longer you live, the more they are, because you do start to have that unveiling, and you start to recognize in yourself stuff before you were a believer or even after you were a believer, that is just shameful. And there's nowhere to dump it because it just goes on and on. You have to deliberately come back at that with the word of God. So, you know, mine is when I remember all the stuff in a particular vein, let's say, my selfishness, I just have to keep reminding myself that as far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord removed my transgressions from me that I am holy in the Lord, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I have to fight that. And it's hard sometimes because I'm hearing truth about myself. It's true, the things that are going over in my mind. The things that are easily identified as lies, you can deal with quite well, can't you? You know, it's just like you're not a believer. Well, yes, I am. I know I am, so... But, but the, the truth, this is what you did, this is what you said, this is what you thought, those things are true about you and they have to be fought with the sword of the Spirit. You're never going to amount to anything. Well, that's a lie. It's a lie, but we, we entertain it. You're going to, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen to you now? You're going to be lonely. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. And all of that has to be thought of. And actually, what God has told us to do, the uh, things that He's given us to do, are are the way that we do that. So He says, pray unceasingly, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, once you hear that, that's a command. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, and it's to pray unceasingly, to rejoice always, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Well, how are you doing with that? You know, to give thanks... Hello, Carrie. To give thanks in all circumstances. Um, So all of these commands that we are to obey... um, and, and what I think, hello, <laughs> take your coat off and get a cup of tea. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so what I, what I want to do is link those commands to the lepers. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at what Jesus says in Luke 17. He's saying that is a function of faith. Well, I'm saying it's a function of faith, but he's saying obedience Faith stimulates obedience. And as you obey, you start to receive the cleansing and the healing that Jesus has offered. And actually, if you go everywhere in Scripture, it's the same thing. Could somebody go to Exodus 14, verse 15 to 21, please? Just read 15 to 21.
2: your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide your water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. and all that night the Lord drove
0: the sea back in a strong east wind and turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided. Okay, can you see what I mean in there? Read through. There's a lot of other information in there. But what that says is God said, Hold your staff up over the water, and I will divide the water. And it, he, it, Moses had to hold up his staff before God divided the water. That's what we're seeing. That's right back in Exodus. This is, you know, from the beginning of the scripture, it's that if I tell you to do something, you do it, and when you do it, you will see the blessing and the deliverance and the healing. Look at Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Someone go to Second Chronicles 20 and read 20 to 22, please. 20 to 22, yeah. Chapter 20, verse 20 to 22. Yeah, thanks. They
1: rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Ticurah. And when when they went there, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire, as they went before the army, and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zion,
3: who had come against Judah, so they were...
0: Thank you. When did the Lord set the ambushes? When they started singing singing and praising. What were they singing and praising God for? Were they praising him because there was an army in front of them that was way too big for them? No, they were praising him because he had just said to them a few verses before, stand, this is not your battle, this is my battle. So they went out singing and praising God because they believed that this was his battle, and that he would fight for them. Well, that's what you do when you do what God says. You trust that he will deliver you. And, and there's no shortcut. You have to do what he's told you to do. You know, if you're lacking the presence of God, if you don't feel God is near you, then he has said specifically in his word, I inhabit the praises of my people. If you want to know God's presence, if you want to sense his presence, feel his presence, just start praising God. And I can guarantee that you will start to know that God is near you. It and it you know, maybe not in the first two lines. I mean You know that's sometimes what we're like. What's what I'm like, you know. Well, I've said that set twice now, Lord. Where are you? (laughs) You know. So it's but it's this continual trusting that He will. He does inhabit the praises of His people. That He does answer prayer. He does answer prayer. You know. I mean, it's it's the classic, isn't it? Yes, no, or wait. And, And and the thing is, we know that. But somehow when we don't get the yes answer immediately, we start to get angry. I mean, we have a God who wants to be known, right? Yet that God who wants us to know him says, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. He wants me to know him, so why wouldn't he let me know him as soon as I start to seek him? Not after I've sought him with all my heart. (coughs) Why have I got to put everything into seeking him before he will be found by me? Well, it's the effort, but also the thing is, the more you seek him, the more you're building and clearing out the channel of your faith. Mm. You're cleaning it out because you're saying, yes, I know he's to be found. And so you just keep on and on and you seek him with all your heart and you find him. And, you know, when you have gone that on that little journey, I mean, it's an amazing thing to find the Lord and to know that he's right there. Yeah, go ahead, Linda. I think also he, he's building our patience. Yeah. Because we may not be angry when we don't check the We may walk away, say, perhaps. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so as you're keeping on keeping on you're clearing out this channel of faith. You're just sweeping it and and restoring it and paper, you know, filling in the cracks which inevitably come. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's the process. We, we hear God's word, so we read his word. He says, do this, we do it, and then he uh, heals or delivers. And I think that's throughout scripture. I, I don't think you'll find any other sequence. I think that's there all the time. So let's move on a little bit then, because the challenge is, do we, do we, do we take the time to think about our obedience? Because, you know, it's very easy to kind of rush through and not think to yourself, am I obeying these totally basic commands? Rejoice always. Thank, thank God all the time. Do not allow yourself to be anxious. Take up the sword of the Spirit. I mean, are we doing those things? Um mm. So are we actually taking the time to think about our obedience, Patty? Because it's so easy not to. Because we just, yeah, we just go on. And, you know, really, we, are we really thinking about it? So let's go on then. Luke 17, um, verse 20 to 37. So maybe we can split that and two people read. So verse 20 to verse 37, please. i
4: by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, look here, look here, there, do not go away and do not run after them, for just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying. They were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot, when they were eating and they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two men will be held in the field, no one. One will be taken and the other will be left. And answering, they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the body is, there also the vultures will
0: be gathered. Okay, it's quite a long section, lots of things in it, and that's what we're going to spend really the rest of the morning on with the cross-references. So um, we've talked about the fact that... um, We live in two worlds. We live in the physical world, the physical material world, and the spiritual world. And uh, so we live on this planet and we live in, we belong to the heavenly city. Um, We belong to heaven. And uh, we know that in this world, because we have um, the mind of Christ, because we know his thoughts, because they're revealed in his word. We are able to see this world with the eyes of faith. So you're able to see this world clearly and to know that the things that appear to be real are not real. Um, And we've discussed the fact that God calls us to focus on one or the other. You can't focus on both. So you have to choose which one is your focus. And if you truly have been born again, it might take you a while to make that choice. Mm-hmm. But once you've made it, it will then you know, continue. It might be a battle sometimes to keep your mind on it because of circumstances in your life, but that's the mm-hmm. reality. You have to choose which world you're going to belong to and live in. And as soon as you choose, what you find is, as you start to do what we're doing, as you start to read the Word and study and pray and actually do what you read, you start to understand this world and what's going on in it. Going on in it. Mm-hmm. And you start to become less bothered about the things that people who don't know the Lord are bothered about. And Exactly.
2: Yeah, it
0: is, it, is. it vital. is vital, it is. Yeah, it is, Patty. And we spent a long time on that in the last sort of, when we, especially the first part of Luke, we looked at what that means actually to, no, no, it, no, it's just what that means to live by faith, live by the eyes of your faith rather than the eyes of your sight, your human. Um, um, and it frees us to, to, to live by that f- faith sight shall we say mm. because it starts to make the things we that are invisible become visible to us it starts to remind us that faith is the conviction of things hoped for the what is it the conviction of things unseen Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. And so actually what faith, exercised faith, cleaned out channels, what that does is it provides certainty for us. So one of the functions of faith, one of the things that faith does is it enables us to be certain of what we cannot see with our human eyes. That's why Paul could say, you know, Everything in this world, I've I've counted rubbish. Whatsoever things were gained to me, I have counted rubbish that I might gain Christ. So we haven't seen Jesus with our human eyes, but we know he's real. You didn't see him on the cross, or you weren't there at the tomb, but you know that that's true. And you know that that's true because of the faith that you have. And that faith is providing certainty all the time. But as soon as you don't commit yourself to obedience, that certainty will start to erode. If you are not obeying the Lord in his basic commands, forgive, don't be bitter, don't lie, read the word, speak the word, (laughs) live the word. If you're not doing that, hello Eve. If you're not doing that, then you will find your certainty about the things of God just starts to disappear and erode. Sometimes we just have to do what we're told even though we don't understand why. That's the reality. We're children of God, children of God. And sometimes God will tell us to do things and we won't really truly understand why until we've done them. And sometimes not even then. Go ahead, Maureen. Yeah Yeah. Yeah.: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, that because God is so fantastic, He doesn't leave us hanging across the chasm, which we call faith, and give us no confirmation. There's a constant affirmation and confirmation that you're doing the right thing. So you go out of fear and anxiety into a peace that passes all understanding simply because you've decided to trust God and to do what he said. And and that's the amazing thing, but it's still we have to be a part of that whole process. So one of the things I think we've seen in Luke is that the Pharisees were not men of faith. They didn't live by faith. They were religious and they had All this authority, they knew the word, but they didn't see it with their eyes of faith. And so consequently, they insisted on testing everything by what they could see and hear with their human eyes and ears. Um, And only what they could understand would they accept. Well, if you're waiting to be able to understand everything about God and everything about the Lord Jesus, you will wait a very long time because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we will never understand the depth of God. And it's that grey area, the area of not understanding, that the enemy comes into and starts to put his doubts you don't you can't fully understand it and so he will start saying it can't be true and it is it is juliet but you know that's what happens the enemy comes into those areas and then you are forced to trust either you trust or you don't and if you don't you don't receive as i say what what he promises so they're plaguing jesus as they're following him around they're, they're judging everything by what they see, and they're asking him here, when will the kingdom of God come? Mm. What did they mean by that? What sort of kingdom were they expecting? To overthrow earth. An,
3: earthly
0: An earthly kingdom, to overthrow the Romans. And what would it be like if you had to describe it? What would it be like? It's going to be opulent. Yeah, it was going to be great. Israel were going to be great, and it would be... Yeah, like in the time of David. So when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus knows their hearts. That's been established all the way through Luke's gospel. He knows what they're thinking. He knows they have no faith. And so he answers with the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that you can observe. It's not coming that way. The kingdom of God is in your midst. Some translations, I think the old King James said, within you. Well, it's obvious he doesn't mean the kingdom of God is within the Pharisees. So the word within means in the midst of or among. Um, what was the season? Do you know the season that we were coming into? He's on his way to Jerusalem. Why is he on his way to Jerusalem? Yeah. And the, at Passover, people, the Jewish people were longing for another Moses to take them out of the slavery that they were in. Um, and they pinned their hopes on John the Baptist, a lot of them. They thought John the Baptist might be this one who was going to deliver them. And then when he died, when Herod cut his head off, then they're looking at Jesus. So a lot of the crowds are following him because they think he is going to restore the kingdom to the way, to the time of David, when it should be. So um, when the Pharisees are asking, do they have the right to ask him? What are the Pharisees? What, what is their role? They're uh, religious leaders. Right. You know, they study the law. Don't right. They study the law and they're religious leaders. So do they have the right to ask Jesus these questions? Yeah. Yes, well, they do have the right. They're supposed to ask the questions. They're supposed to ask them because they're supposed to test the rabbis mm-hmm. and the teachers that come. And so they do have the right to ask... Um, And Jesus does answer them, the kingdom of God is among you, in your midst. But he doesn't give his details until, except to his disciples. He doesn't give the details of what the kingdom is going to be like until a bit later. So um, the, the, um, uh, the Pharisee's question was legitimate, but what else was it? Yeah, yeah, but it's so it a legitimate question. Yes, they're trying to test him, but just in a way that, yeah, they are, but think about it, think about those Pharisees. If you were to see those those religious people sitting in this room, they'd all come today to, to uh, look and see, what's all this about, this Christianity? What's it really about? And they've asked a question, and uh, the answer has been given, um, and so they could legitimately ask the question, but what's, what is your feeling towards those Pharisees it? or what's the, your feeling towards that situation? Are
3: they desperate?
0: No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, you're not in, in, you're not in my head. So you need to be in my head. So the thing is, that's a tragic situation, isn't it? It's a tragedy that the people who know the law Inside and out, that the people who are teaching the law and the word of God don't understand. They've followed Jesus for months and months and months. They've seen him heal the sick, they've seen him cast out demons, they've heard him, they've heard words from his mouth that have never been heard before. And they did not receive that. They would not receive it. That must be the biggest tragedy of all people who go to church regularly mm-hmm. who know the word of God, who read the word of God, who sometimes teach the word of God but they don't believe in the God who wrote it. Yeah. That's like the biggest tragedy mm-hmm. and the thing is we know they didn't have faith and that they didn't believe how do you know that? Jesus did the yeah but how would you know it otherwise? Well, yeah he by, does by, by what they do by what they do, he calls them hypocrites, because they're in, in Matthew's gospel. He says, "You paint the outside of the house, but the inside is filthy. You clean the outside of the cup, but the inside, it's just this tragedy." Yes, and you can you see it's the okay. most tragic thing is that there are people, hundreds and thousands of people in the Western <coughs> church who go into the building every week but don't believe in the God who they're supposedly worshipping. It's a massive tragedy. It's a tragedy that there's all this deception being taught in churches that, because it's, it's lying about God. It's people who don't necessarily, aren't deliberately lying, or de- but they've heard something and that's, they think that's okay and so they're passing that on. And that is a tragedy of epic proportion because these people are going to hell unless they can open their eyes and receive Jesus. And can you see the importance then of our obedience? Because our obedience is the outward witness of the inward faith. And, and when yes, we've talked about all the blessing we'll receive when we obey. But can you imagine the impact when you forgive someone and hold no bitterness towards them? When everything they throw at you deserves unforgiveness and bitterness. Go ahead, Maureen. Yes.
3: Because if we're not telling people, because I was in church 43 years thinking I was a Christian, if you're not telling people, those who really know the truth, then how are we
0: going to know? Um, and so yeah. say, well, there's an obligation yeah. and a great harvest here within the church itself. Yeah. Which, you know, we need to be obedient to that because God loves them. Yes. And he
3: wants them because they're faithfully going. Yes. He wants them to mission for them. Yes.
0: It is a mission field. In the Western world, the church, the organized church, the professing church is is a wonderful mission field. Because not every, of course, there's 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 the true church. But the thing is what we tend to do, and this is why I think Jesus, I I don't know if he's going to lead us straight into it, but, but what I think is what we tend to do is we say, That's not true, that's deception, that's heresy, I'm having nothing to do with it. And we walk away, instead of witnessing to the truth in that place. The thing is, if we walk away, we who know the word, and who are doing our best to follow it, who's going to go in there and tell them the truth, which is what Maureen's saying? Exactly. Exactly. Them. Love them. Yes. That's why I think it's important that you look at these Pharisees and you think, what a tragedy that is. What a tragedy that is. Instead of looking at them and thinking, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like them. Be- and that's what we do. That's a human characteristic. And we have to put that to death. But it's
2: like Jesus said, they're taking all the people with
0: them. They're not exactly, with them. exactly. But that's a tragedy. So although, although... You want to sometimes scream at people who are teaching the wrong thing. You want to actually go up and bellow in their face, you know. We're to be praying for those people. We're to be praying for them and constantly witnessing to them. And your witness means nothing if you don't obey these commands. If you don't obey the forgiveness, if you don't obey the no bitterness, no slander, no malice, no, you know, none of that. If, if you don't put on the full armor of God, if you don't wield the sword of the Spirit, if you don't put hold captive every thought, you will get bound up by the enemy and he will be whispering in your ear, you don't need to be with those people, they're lost. You need to be with people who think like you. You know, the reality is no single person ever born or ever will be will have perfect theology. I mean, even me, let's face it. <laughs> even me <laughs> thank you Jane I'm glad you laughed otherwise people might have thought I meant it no one has perfect theology you, the things I thought ten years ago I don't necessarily think now because God has widened my thinking and, and sometimes he's just said Anne that's just plain wrong mm. um, I spent a couple of years in a group that was going
3: nowhere and I felt um, that when I was trying to speak truth, it was rejected. Yeah. And I, and I did feel that God was okay with me saying,
0: I've done as much as I can. Oh, definitely. Definitely, Kate. It's not that you have to stay. I mean, actually, in the end, they bar the door. So you just can't get in. And so, of course, there's a moment when God will say, okay, Kate, I'm moving you on. Of course, there is. But I think very often, as Christians, we move on really because we don't want to take... We don't want to be there Um, because we don't have this understanding that it's a tragedy. Rather, we have the thinking that, as I say, they're not like us. They don't know the truth. Look at us. We know the truth. And there is that kind of pride that gets in. Um, So... um, I think it's a tragedy about the Pharisees, and I think uh, that's why Jesus answered their questions all the time. He didn't say, go away, you've got no faith. He just kept answering their questions with the truth. But he gave more detail to the disciples who were putting their trust in him. So that's what we're finding. We're getting more and more information because we're choosing against every other thought in our mind. We are choosing to put our trust in, in what we hear. Um, so um, their thinking about the kingdom was political not spiritual it was f- a physical place and a reign and they didn't understand the what the definition of a kingdom is what is the definition of a kingdom <laughs> it's where God reigns. yeah it's a place where the king reigns mm-hmm. They didn't understand that. So actually a kingdom can be spiritual, it can be physical, it can be anything. It's simply the place where a king reigns. The kingdom of God is presently where? In heaven. Well, it's in heaven, but it's also... In it's in us. Because in us the king reigns. And it will one day be where? It will be on earth. When will it be on Earth? When Jesus Jesus returns, returns. yeah, yeah, and then later it will be in the new heaven and the new earth.
4: There was
1: a movement. The goddess female. Yeah. There are seeds of dying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not completely gone, Ellen. There are some.
1: What means God,
0: What I've just said, what a kingdom is a place where a king reigns. Yeah, yeah. I I use that because the Bible says that it uses male pronouns to talk about God. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about a king and a kingdom. So not a queen and a queendom. So I might like God to be female. I don't actually, but if I did, but that wouldn't make Him female. Yeah. But actually, God is spirit. That's what we forget. Yeah. God is spirit, yeah. and He identifies Himself through Scripture with some female characteristics. Yeah. He says He cares for Israel like a mother nursing her baby, like yeah, like a mother hand yeah. like yeah, like gathering chicks. He uses female examples to describe his character. And I'm, I'm persuaded that in Genesis chapter one, when he says that God made, uh, male, made Adam male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. I'm persuaded that females are made just as much in the image of God as males, which means God is unimaginable because I don't know how that works. But I believe that God has female characteristics, mm-hmm. and that He uh, has. But He's spirit. Mm-hmm. But one thing I know is He identifies Himself as male in Scripture.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think a
0: lot of the Bible translators chose a pronoun actually, because a lot of Scripture, the the pronouns which are he, actually don't exist in the original language. So, for example, First Timothy chapter three which follows on from women cannot teach or, or have authority over a man uh first chapter uh, first timothy chapter 3 has no male pronouns in it at all mm-hmm. it has a phrase that uh, an elder should be a one woman man but the it's it's what do you call those it's a you can't separate the words it's a phrase mm-hmm. so um
2: so, what well, like gender p- uh, when it I uh, no, sorry not to bring it no. to bring it up but mm. You know, like we have gentlest people now. Oh, no, not like that. So no, no, no. Could God then be like that?
0: No, he's a spirit. He's a spirit. I don't know what that's like, Carrie. I, I can't describe God because, but I know that when he took on flesh, he took on male flesh. So, it, why? But I know that in Genesis, Eve took, ate the apple. And Adam ate the apple, but Adam was held accountable because mm-hmm. he was the representative of the human race. Yeah. So a male was the representative of the human race. And so Christ took on male flesh to represent the new humanity.
2: But then, in the, because at the beginning of uh, the Christian church, when they were meeting in synagogues and what have you with the Jewish people, mm-hmm. and they did have women... Uh, bishops. And oh yeah, everything. yeah. Everything, and then yeah. it was, was it after the first or second century that they brought in this man rule? You know that women. It was the Roman,
0: to. the Roman Church that, or the Roman uh, Emperor Constantine, I think it was Constantine, yeah, yes, who right. brought in a structure yeah. and a hierarchy for church, and women then w- didn't really have a place. Yeah, but until then. I, I believe that you can find women apostles. You can find yeah. women doing everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, again, it's you know the thing is, we could spend I could spend my life arguing that. Yeah. You know I've done loads of study on it because it affects me personally. But the thing is, does that really honour God? Yeah. And is that what He wants me to spend my time on? In these last days, when the whole world is going nuts, do we not really rather spend our time talking about the Lord Jesus? And he came as a man. He took on male flesh. Mm. Go ahead.
3: Um, It says on that sixth day that he made man and woman. Mm. And and then later, Mm. he made woman
0: out of... Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Out of his side, actually. We say rib, but it was his side. Um, How can I put that together? Well, I think, and I could be wrong, I think that Genesis chapter 2 is the detailed account of Genesis 1... 26 27. So, how did he make man and woman in his own image? And then, chapter 2 tells us these are the details. And, um, you know, there's been a lot made of that that woman was taken out of man. And there's a lot of denigration that happens because man was the first and then the woman came out of the man. But actually, the sequence of events in Genesis 1 and 2 is that the female was the high point. Because she was the last created, if you look at it that way. So he made all the animals, then he made man, then he made woman. He didn't make woman from the dust. He made woman from the flesh of the man. Why? Why? Yeah, he's good, but what I mean what is he trying to tell us? are made in the image of God just like Yes, but also that women and men are made of the same stuff. It's not like another whole handful of dust. This is the the man and woman are made of the same stuff and they are made to complement each other and to match each other. Not just in marriage, I don't believe, but in every single way that you can think of. And I'm not talking about women's rights or anything. I'm talking about the reality of the scripture. That's what it says. That she was taken out of man because nothing could be found that was equal or a. According to him, so he, she was taken out of the man's side or formed out of the man's side, because he looked and saw nothing that was suitable. The phrase "a helper suitable for him," if you look up, the, if you're of a mind, look up the Hebrew words. They have absolutely no inferior suit oh superior connotation at all. In fact, the word helper is used 21 times in the Old Testament. 19 times it is used of God helping man. No one would ever say that God was inferior to man because he helped. The word uh, suitable is kenegdo in, in Hebrew and it means, uh, according to, it means uh, face-to-face it doesn't mean behind or in front, it means together. So but but anyway, Carrie, you started me on that, sorry. <laughs> but God is spirit, he has he he describes himself with female characteristics, but he has identified himself in Christ as a man. And honestly, there's no time to fight that battle anymore. It's done. We are so close to the end. We just have to kind of pass that one over and you know if a believer comes to me and says you shouldn't be teaching I say okay don't listen what else can you say Mm -hmm. you know and I'm not taking authority over you when I'm teaching you male or female I'm just sharing what I know the word has authority not the teacher male or female
1: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also you think of what you've been left here to do. What have you been left here to do? You know, not argue about points of doctrine. What's the point? You could, as I say, you could spend your whole life, I could spend my life arguing that. So, um, so Jesus is saying the king's here um, because... Uh, the kingdom of God is among you. And, but he's warning them, don't get so obsessed by um, sight, looking for signs. And actually, I was thinking about that too because what he goes on to talk to his disciples about is, are some of the details of what's going to happen. But I think his overall thing is, don't get obsessed by the signs of my coming so much so that you forget what you're still to be doing when I come. And the thing is there are so many Christians now because we know we're approaching the end that all they're interested in are the prophetic signs. What does prophecy say? What's this? What's this plague of locusts that's going on in Africa all about? And they'll spend hours, hours and hours. And what's Jesus' statement for us? What are we to be doing until he comes? Yeah, we're we're to be awakened, making disciples. But there's a wonderful phrase in the Old Testament. I can't remember where it is. And it is, occupy until I come. Where is that, Patty? Is it 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 in the new? Occupy until I come. You know, and and that's... Get on, get on with what... Build the church, lift the church, make the church. You know, start doing what you've been left here to do. So... um, Tomorrow, as I say, um, uh, we're doing this sharing testimony and this with a view to uh, evangelizing using your testimony and what that means, you know, what evangelizing is. And so, if you can come, please do. So, uh, So, in verse 26, he starts to give his disciples some details. He's already said to them, They will say to you, Look there, look here, do not go away, and do not run after them. For just as the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will this coming of the Son of Man in his day. Um, But first He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now when you hear that first um, verse... uh for just like the lightning, when it flashes on one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in, the, in his day. What do you know that he's talking about? And what do you know that he's not talking about? Yes,
3: when,
0: yeah, when he returns. But what's he not talking about? The lightning. No.
1: <laughs>
0: he's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about lightning in the sky that shines, that everybody sees, right? When Jesus comes to call his bride up to be with him, there won't be any lightning in the sky. This is not the rapture. This is not Jesus coming for his church. This is the coming, the second coming to the planet of Jesus. And I think you can see it clearly as we go on. So, um... We'll take a break, actually. Look at that. We'll take a break, sorry. Um, ten minutes, cup of coffee. Okay, so thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you that, um, yeah, just thank you, Lord, that you, you make it so clear to us how we are to live and how we are to walk on with you. And I pray now as we go into this second half, Lord, that you would um, just continue with us, Lord, and help us to see this really clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so uh, I think that he's, what he said to his disciples is that um, though they are to be aware of the signs of the times, they're to be aware of the signs of the times so that they understand the urgency of doing what he left them to do, here to do. So, you know, there's tons and tons of stuff online at the moment about end time scenario. There's tons of stuff about prophecy I'm not saying that any of it's wrong, but what I'm saying is if you spend more time on that than you do on figuring out how you're going to go on with the Lord and how you're going to live in a way that witnesses to Him, then I think you're spending too much time on it. Mm -hmm. Um, You've been gifted the eyes of faith to be able to see the events in the world and to know what they mean in reality. And what they mean is it's getting closer to when the Lord returns. And when he does, salvation is not possible any longer. So in the way we, we know it. So let's, um, yeah, keep focused. So um, Luke, uh, Jesus uses two now Old Testament uh, instances, two events, to um, illustrate the certainty and the suddenness of his coming. Um, he uses the flood. From Genesis chapter 6 through 8, and he uses the destruction of Sodom from Genesis 19. What's the main point that he's putting across in Luke 17? It's sudden, it's sudden and life's going, life's going on as normal. So his coming is sudden, life's going on as, nor- as normal, and what happens with the flood and Sodom? Um, so people- a few people are saved, one well, yeah, in... in y- yes, just... The, so, n- without the detail of it, what is, what is the description of the flood about and the description of Sodom about? Did you say destruction? destruction? Destruction. That's what they're about. They're about the destruction of the world or a certain part of the world. Um... If you look at um, Genesis chapter six, which is where you start to first read about the um, about the flood and why, um, what c- Genesis six, um, Peter will use the flood in his description to emphasise the fact that you need to be saved by Christ. You need to be saved in Christ, through Christ. Otherwise the destruction is coming. His whole letter is about, you know, the end of the world will come. You can scoff and you can mock, but it will come. And when it does, you don't want to be part of the world. You want to be part of the salvation of Jesus Christ. So go to Genesis chapter 6, which is where the flood is first described. And um, uh, let's just read through it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. Um, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord." These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Now, when you read Luke and hear Jesus allude to the flood, you know he's talking about the destruction of the earth. Why is he using the flood as an example? He's using it to say that when he returns, the earth will be similar to the way it was then. So look at Genesis 6 verse 1 and tell me what was going on right at this time. Genesis 6 verse
3: 1. No, just verse
0: 1. Multiplication of humanity. We are seeing the multiplication, have seen the multiplication of humanity. I mean, I don't know, what is it, six and a half billion, seven billion now? Seven billion human beings on the planet. Mm -hmm. There is this multiplication going on. What else is going on? Verse 5. Wickedness "Wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually if you look at your world our world with the eyes of faith you see this evil and wickedness is accelerating and growing and that it's uh, i think later on in scripture it will say that men kept thinking of ways to devise evil and that's what where we are oh and it's in first timothy um chapter three Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of this, lovers of that. And that men is, as I say, it's humanity will be like that. Um, And look at verse 11 and verse 13. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. Then God said to me, said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. So, God is, A, seeing that mankind are multiplying, and that chapter, chapter 6 is really interesting, but we haven't got time to talk about it. So um, it's, humanity is multiplying. He's seeing that as they're multiplying, there's great wickedness multiplying too, and that there's violence in uh, the thoughts and the intentions and the actions of men. So what, what does God do? he destroys them all yeah but before that what does he do he 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 talks to Noah and he says to Noah to um build an ark right build an ark what's the ark the picture of It's the picture of salvation in Christ Jesus. And who did the invitation go to? God says, my spirit will not strive with man. And then he says, for 120 years, he will do it. I think it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Mm -hmm. I don't think he means men will live for 120 years. They were living longer at that time. And he did shorten their lifespan, but not immediately. So... I think he means that it would take Noah at least 100 to 120 years to build that ark. And when you look at it, the dimensions and the size of it, you know it would have taken him that long. So in all of that time, what was he doing? He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the gospel. And what, what God was preparing was a way for anyone who wanted to put their trust in God to be out of the destruction But otherwise, the flood would come and take them all away. What about Sodom? What happened? What was Sodom like? Yeah, yeah. But what was the city like? It was corrupt and violent, and in particular, it was the sexual side of wickedness that was emphasised. You've got the men at the door wanting to have sex with the men who have just arrived um, at Lot's uh, in Lot's house. So. Uh, you've got Lot and, and the angels coming and, and preaching to Lot that he should go with them, right? Mm-hmm. Who goes with Lot? Just his, wife. his wife and his two daughters, not the sons-in-law who were there mm-hmm. hearing. So there was a choice made between people. And the only ones that were saved out of the destruction that was coming were who? Who? Lot and his two daughters. Lot and his two daughters. Why is Jesus mentioning these, this in this chapter? We're in Luke 17. Yeah, we're back to Luke 17. He says in verse 30, it will be just the same in the day that the Son of Man is revealed. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. What does he say? But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. When Jesus comes back for his church in the rapture, it won't be fire and brimstone. It won't be fire and brimstone. When Jesus comes back for his church, it's not in the midst of judgment. It's for deliverance. Mm. Out of what? Out of the wrath of God that will be poured out. What was the deliverance of... What what did they need deliverance from in Noah's day? No, they needed deliverance from the wrath of God that was coming. Mm. The flood. What did they need deliverance from in Sodom? From the wrath of God that was going to be poured out with fire and brimstone. This coming of the, of the Son of Man is not for the church who need deliverance from the wrath of God because we will be out of the wrath of God. This is what he's talking about. Is this is what's going to happen on earth. That God's wrath is going to be poured out. So, um, he goes on. Do you
3: think it's about, that's alluding to a lot of the commercial stuff.
0: In terms of.
3: When it says here, they're comparing it with a lot. They're eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling. I so think it's just life.
0: I think it could be commercial stuff as well. You I think, think. It's just become a sport. Yes, yes we're it, it could be. Into
3: the world it all um, well, going to be <laughs> appropriate to <it. appropriate laughs> commerce?
0: Maybe, of maybe. I don't know, Recently,
3: Kate. Commerce has just become.
0: So massive compared
3: to fifty years ago. Mm. Mm. Is that what because
0: people I are saying that? Well they just either. think it's a sign, yeah. a sign of design. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think also eating and drinking, if you think back even when we were a children, yeah. you find a couple of departments where you can have a school, yeah. can't have coffee in and still. Yeah. yeah. Stills, yeah. And now it's every Everywhere, yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> um Jesus says in Luke, it will be just the same on the day verse thirty. Um It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out, and likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember, Lot's wife, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, and the other will be left." Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. And answering, they said, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the body is there also will the vultures be gathered. So think about it now. Think. Do you think that if this is describing the rapture, you as a believer would want to turn back and get something from your house? No. No, you to you, you are going to be taken up to be with the Lord. It's going to be the most amazing event of your life. And you are going to want to go. Mm-hmm. There's going to be nothing in you that says, uh, wait a minute, I just want to pick up my photos. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah,
0: on my phone. Yeah, or my phone. <laughs> exactly. It's going to. <laughs> that moment of the rapture is not this. This is Christ's return to earth at the end of the tribulation period. What is going to happen when he returns to earth at the end of the tribulation period? What's the, f- no. What's the first thing that's going to happen? Yeah, there's going to be a separation. Do you remember in Matthew 25? What's going to happen? There'll be a separation of sheep from goats. Yeah, the corresponding chapters to Luke 17. This section in Luke 17 are Matthew 25 and 26, 24 and 25. So if you just go there, 24, Matthew 24. Um, Matthew 24. Um, verse. Sorry, hold on a minute. Let me just get there. 24. Matthew 24, verse, um, uh, no, because that's incorporating some of the uh, last of the tribulation. But let's go here. It's no, no, good guessing, but not, no, no. (laughs) Verse 29. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. And then if you read on down to verse 44, he's describing exactly the same as Luke describes. Um, in verse 42 he says therefore be on the alert for you do not know which day your lord is coming but be sure of this that if the head of the house had known at what time the n- in of the night the thief was coming he would have been on the alert and would not have been allowed to into this house to be broken into for this reason you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will now i've got two things really to say about this and for the sake of time we can't uh, go into them too much but I think that there is relevance for Christians in these verses I think that there are there are points and principles we can take out of them but Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are for Israel they are not for the church so it's, the tribulation. it's it's the tribulation and after oh, the tribulation okay. yes not we're not to do with this these chapters are for Israel they are for Israel. Yeah, whether or not you think you'll be raptured before or in the midpoint of the tribulation or whatever, this is talking about Israel. The church is not in view here. Jesus is not talking about the church. No. The church has not even been formed yet. He's not even died yet. There is no church. No. So he's talking about Israel. He's saying this generation will not pass away. There's lots of talk about that. What does he mean? Is it race? Is it generation? I personally think that the generation of Jews alive at the time who go through the tribulation will not be passed away before they see these things. But uh, you know that's up for debate. Um, But we can, as the church, all scripture is God-breathed and suitable for rebuking and and encouraging and all of those things. We can take stuff from this. We can take the fact that we don't know when the rapture's coming, All we do know is when we see him, we're going to be like him and we don't want to be standing before him and having to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I wasted my time. I'm so sorry I didn't do more. I'm so sorry I couldn't forgive because that person didn't see the gospel reality lived out in me. I don't want to be like that. I pray about that almost every day, at least every week. I say to the Lord, I don't want to stand before you and have any regrets. I know I'm not going to be judged for my sin. I know that I'm saved completely and utterly. But I also know that I want to be about his business. And I want to know that I've given my best. You know, and, and that's what he's calling us to here. But what he's saying in Matthew 20, Luke 17, Matthew 24, Matthew 25 is, when the Son of Man returns, there is going to be judgment. If you make it through the tribulation, if you make it through the tribulation, because you took the mark of the beast you can be sure that you are destined for hell. If you make it through the tribulation and you saw the Jews suffering such intense persecution and you didn't offer them any help, you can be sure you are going to be taken. That's what um, Luke 17 is about. It's about on that day, two people will be in bed, one will be taken and one will be left. Who are the people who are going to be left no, the ones who are left are going to be the ones who helped these brothers of mine. Matthew 24, remember? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's 25, hold on. Um, uh, 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 where are we? Verse 30, I think it is. Um, but uh, 31. 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations that can be translated Gentiles, will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. Matthew 25. Come on, keep up. (laughs) I'm joking, Patty, sorry. Matthew 25 from verse 31. "'I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. "'I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. "'I was a stranger, and you invited me in, "'naked, and you clothed me. "'I was sick, and you visited me. "'I was in prison, and you came to me.' "'Then the righteous will answer him, "'Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, "'or thirsty and give you something to drink? "'And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, "'or naked and clothe you?' When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil um, and his angels." Um, And he goes through the whole thing. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they'll say, Lord, when did we see you like this? And he'll say, truly, to the extent you did it to one of the least of these, you did did not do it to one of the least of these, you will not do it to me.
1: And you were saying that it's about his
0: brethren. Yes, yes.
1: So So it's relevant to us. Yes. In not quite the same way, it is, because it's not yes. we
0: do. It's, it's relevant in its principles, in principles, definitely. But it's not relevant to it because we, this is written to the Jews and it will be about the time of the tribulation and the people who come through it. And what it says here clearly is he's going to gather all the Gentiles to him and he's going to separate them, sheep and goats. And the sheep... Gentiles, and there's also uh, sections about the Jews. So it's just I haven't read them in Matthew 24 and 25. He's going to separate the Gentiles, and he's going to say, you helped the Jews, Mm -hmm. and you didn't. And because you didn't, you're going into the the accursed fire. Yes. Uh, No, the tribulation saints are the ones who die in the tribulation. You hear about them in Revelation... Seven, I think it is, where they're underneath the throne and they're groaning, Lord, when will you avenge us? Um, yeah, yeah, how are they gonna be saints on the earth? Oh, there won't be saints like we're saints, there'll be, there's when the rapture happens, and and I don't want to go too much into it because I believe something about you know, I think the rapture will happen before the tribulation, but I could be wrong, so um, I hope it does, <laughs> so But during the the tribulation, there'll be angels flying in the Mm mid-heaven, preaching an eternal gospel. It's not the same gospel, but it's an eternal gospel. And the eternal gospel is always, since the beginning of time, trust God, you're okay. Walk away from God, you won't be. So the eternal gospel will be being preached. During the revelation, there'll be two witnesses in Jerusalem, and the whole world will see them, and they'll be preaching and then the uh, Antichrist will slay them, and they'll die in Jerusalem. And three days later, the whole world will see their bodies rise up. When I first studied that, I thought, don't be ridiculous. How can that be? And now, CNN, <laughs> you can see things happening around the world instantly. So there'll be two witnesses preaching, There'll be two men. There'll be... Angels flying in the mid heaven, and there'll be 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel, messianic mm. believers preaching the, the gospel. But they will have come to faith after the church has gone. So. Mm. I heard something quite interesting the
3: other day. Um, somebody said, you know, after the rapture, what's going to happen? People are going to say, where's yeah. that person? Where are they? Where's yeah.
0: that person? Anybody? Yeah. What's happened? Yeah. Yeah. world. I don't know how many believers are in the world now
3: but it must be millions. Yeah. So just imagine if millions of people just disappeared. Yeah.
0: I think that's true. I, and that's why I say to my husband when you see the pile of clothes you know where I've gone. <laughs> but because I'm going to get a new body so they won't fit thankfully. <laughs> so, but but it says in Revelation that there will be a deception so strong at that time that I think that people will not be able to, e- will not even think about what's happened to those people yeah. after a little bit of time. Yeah. I think there'll be such a deception going on the, the, the that, the and yeah, they'll just the think aliens something's aliens. gone. The yeah. But people
3: Jesus is coming in the clouds. Is
0: that right? In the rapture, he's coming in the yeah. clouds. Yeah. So
3: We're going to meet him halfway
0: up. Yeah, we're going to meet him in the air. Yeah. Mhm.
3: So won't that be? recorded?
0: No, I think that that won't be seen no. by the it's rest the of the world. In the twinkling of an eye, yeah, at the last trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and remain will be rising up with him in the air. Hallelujah. Praise God. But... It, the important thing is to remember that when he's talking in Luke about when he comes, because they're asking him, what is the sign of your coming? The Pharisees, yeah. give us the signs. We want to, and he says, you won't be able to observe the signs with your natural eye because you need to have the eyes of faith. Yeah. You're going to need to be able to see that the world is wicked and evil. evil. Yes, yes. I mean, if you're a believer in the Lord, you only have to read your newspaper and it makes you cry. The violence and the wickedness. You can't believe it. And the inhumanity of man towards man. Just the complete... I mean, I was just reading, actually, about Yemen. I don't know why. Just last night, as I went to bed, I was reading about Yemen. I I mean, you just read it, you think, how can that be? I know. I know. I know. So it's just everywhere you look in the world, it's just, yeah. a, and that's why I know we're at the end. Can mm. I just yeah. ask you something? Yes. You that has been bothering
1: me and I haven't been able to concentrate on anything. Sort of <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is, when you're talking, when he talks about there'll be one in the field and one will be taken and one will go, one will
3: one
1: will go, one will be taken and one will left. You said something about the one who's left it's,
0: it's going to be okay no you said i about oh, I've got, yes help help yes because the, it, so when who he's talking the they're the ones that's what i believe is the sheep and the goats or it's the tribulation time when you know one's going to die and one's not going to die one's going to make it through the tribulation and one isn't so, so, so the
1: ones that get whisked away mm. are made, are making
0: it no 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 no, no. Okay, forget the church forget the church no. at no. all. No. Right. No. right. No. So forget the church. What he's saying is, when I come, this is what's going to happen. There'll be lightning bolts in the sky and everybody will see it. Yes. And, and he says, uh, sorry, I need to find my Luke. Yeah. But in Luke, he says, um, uh, so on, uh, it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. When the Son of Man is re- revealed on that day, the one who's on the house stop, and whose goods are in the house must not turn back. At that time, when the Son of Man returns, there's going to be this people taken and these people left. Yes. Right. Yes. And the ones taken are not going to wonderful glory. They're going to be taken because they didn't help the Jews and they didn't do what didn't help Jesus. What Jesus says: these brothers of mine. So, so, so Luke seventeen. Seventeen. It. Ca- all, I'm, all I want to say is... It's the nations,
2: though, isn't it? It's talking to all the nations will be gathered before Yeah. So you think it's the countries?
0: No, are. I think it's the Gentiles within the nations, right. because I'm sure there will be some um, people in every nation who help the Jews. Hopefully there will be. So there mm. Yes, they what they did call the righteous Gentiles. But also there'll be people who perhaps didn't get the opportunity to help Jews but actually turned to God in that time, in the tribulation time. Because there will be tr- people who turn to God. And some of them will make it through the tribulation. Not all of them and not most of them. Some of them will make it through. And I like to think, if my husband doesn't come to his senses before the rapture, he might be one of the ones who makes it through the tribulation. Who knows? So the ones taking, who didn't help the Jews, yes, yes, yes. So, helping that could be,
2: as you said, but also things like prayers,
0: and yeah, giving money,
2: and yeah, however way you're helping, yeah. yeah.
0: But remember, this is through the tribulation. When you saw me naked, you didn't clothe me, when you saw me sick, you didn't, you know, heal me, you didn't offer me help. The thing is. The thing to remember is Matthew 24, Matthew 25, this part of Luke 17, are not talking about the church. Mm. I have heard so many messages about you better watch out because otherwise you're going to be... Because you carry on. I mean, look at Matthew 25. Um, it's important not to get this the wrong way around because you will hear messages that tell you... Um, Matthew 25: "Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. And the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil, and the prudent took their oil their flasks, took oil in their flasks. I have heard so many messages that that is the Church, and that's five of you with the Holy Spirit, and five of you haven't been filled with the Spirit, and so you, poor things, are out. This is not the church. It's got nothing to do with the church. Go on and read about... Um, uh, For it is like a man about to go on a journey, verse 14 of chapter 25 of Matthew, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to one he gave one... To uh, Two, to one he gave one. And then all of that goes on. And then now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. And what happens? The two who invested it did really well and well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who had received one talent, in verse 24, came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and I hid your talent. His master answers and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed, which doesn't sound like God at all, by the way. But then you might—you should have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received money back with interest. And then what's going to happen to that poor slave? He's going to be thrown out, throw out the worthless slave in the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you think that's describing Christians? who don't do what they they could do with their talents. Yeah. But do you think you're going to be thrown into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? That's completely the opposite of the assurance of salvation.
3: That's what I when it says a man going on a
0: long journey, I always think of Jesus. Yeah. I know. I know, but think of the Jews. Think of He speaking to the Jews. You've had so much given to you. You've had the covenants and the promises. You've had this. You've been brought back into your land. You've had the blessing of God. You've had this, and you've had that, and you've had the other thing. And you thought me to be this? That makes sense. It's 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 not the church. The church. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if it's real, and if it's true, you will never ever lose your salvation ever. You are set for eternity. There will be a day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, he, and you have to sort of say, well, what did I do with what you gave me in the body? You know, How did I use the gifts and how did I spend my time? And sorry, I spent it all on good holidays and watching the TV. And there will be you know, sadness in that. I'm not going to deny it. And you won't be receiving crowns. you're not judged for your sin anymore, that's done but you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and that word judgment means beamer and it was where you got to, when you got to the end of the race the winners got their crowns, their laurel wreaths and you get a crown if you, you get the crown of righteousness you get the crown of life, there's about seven of them detailed in the New Testament they're all for, you know, what did you do in the body? what did you do with what God gave you? you know, Christ gave God you. God. So exactly, you really want to hear the well done. Really. Yeah. But then, sorry, I'm at that.
1: That, that is not
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about it, Patty. Think about it. Sorry, you know. No, no. No, no. These are complicated. And there's masses of teaching that says... Something different. So think about it. When Jesus returns to this planet, at some stage before that, whenever it is, the church went up to be with him. So he can't be talking to us. We can't be the five virgins, the ten virgins, because we're the bride. We're not the bridesmaids. We're not the people invited to the wedding. We are the wedding. Do you see what I mean? So, ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come, they're not the bride. We're the bride of Christ, and we've all, we're, by the time Jesus comes for the party, the feast, which he's going to in that parable, the bride's already there. Yeah, so we're with him. Yes, yes. So it's so important. But, interesting, don't even learn no, but the only way you learn them is if you really look at these scriptures and you really listen to what he's saying and think, okay, this says that I'll be thrown out into the outer darkness. Is that going to happen to a believer? And if it is, you might as well tear up the rest of the New Testament. Because I, I, where's the assurance? I
2: where um, teaching where um, they was talking about, yes, we, we are raptured, uh, The God's the, uh, people, you know, being the bride of Christ and that. But then he, when he reigns, then we will be judged on what we've done, like you said, and everything. And uh, uh, that some people w- who think that they are saved probably won't, will end up not being able to reign in the kingdom of heaven, yeah. on, the, on the new kingdom, Yeah because of what they've done.
0: Yeah, that's just complete nonsense. That, that Sorry, nonsense. That's, yeah. that's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. You know, it, first of all, the only people raptured are the true church it's impossible to be raptured and yeah. not be the true church. There might be a couple of people surprised, I don't know, that aren't raptured, yeah. but, you know, it's the true church. And the sequence of events is the rapture yeah. and then the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, and that's from Second yeah. uh, Corinthians, I think it is, yeah. chapter 5, and then the wedding, the, yeah. the marriage ceremony, and where we're given the robes of righteousness that we couldn't make on our own. That he gives us beautiful, beautiful robes. So the wedding ceremony, I believe, happens, the marriage happens in heaven, mm-hmm. and then the feast, the party, happens on earth yeah. when we come back with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Alan.
1: Irreveline.
0: Yeah.
1: Two it's about virus, we virus, lion. And the man he to die, and it doesn't happen.
0: I don't... Say that again, Alan. Say that again.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, my
0: yeah, I know. Sorry, I just... I, I'm not sure that I'm with you. There's a... You see, there's a virus. Yes. Yes, and it's lions... Oh, head. oh, and man will be calling out to die. Yeah. Yes, yes. They're described as locusts actually, but they look like they have the jaw of lions and something else. And and they will sting. Nobody will die with them, but they will sting. Good and man will and man will wish that yeah. they could die. Yeah, yeah. But that's during the outpouring of the um, bowls of wrath and. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us that those that are taken out of they're going to eternal punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. Well the following bit about the vultures, is that Yeah, so then you see now okay, so he says where the vultures are, he says it in Luke and he says it in Matthew. Um, uh, yeah. um Luke 17, 37, and Matthew 24, 28. And actually, that place where the vultures are, where it says where the bodies are, is it, how does it say it? Sorry, Luke 17, 37. Where the body is. Yeah, the vultures, right. So in, Luke ni- in Revelation 19, verse 17 to 21, uh, you get the description of um, the final battle Really, revolution. Uh, Revelation. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Revolting. So, uh, Revelation nineteen, verse seventeen. Uh, from verse eleven, you have the the Lord Jesus coming back, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And then in verse um, ni- seventeen, you get then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized... Um, and then, so verse 21, and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. I think that the verse in Luke and the verse in Matthew uh, to do with the vultures is relating to the time when Jesus returns and fights this battle against the beast and the false prophets and um, the armies that go with them and all the dead, their um, flesh is eaten by these birds vultures so it's Dis- not
3: eternal
0: punishment. <sighs> uh. no it's not eternal punishment because that's where their bodies are going to actual physical bodies are going to get eaten mm-hmm. um that's my thought did you ask me that question so who asked me that question about the vultures I, I t- yeah i think it's that yes like, it's yes that one that's t- exactly <laughs> oh. yeah 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 and I think and I think that we understood it that way because that's all the preaching we hear about it is that it's you know if you're taken that's good you're you've taken to be with the Lord but in context of all of all that past those that passage in scripture and with Jesus saying that everyone will see him coming and that when he comes these things will happen this the kingdom of God will be like this it can't possibly be the church it just can't be the church um, at least in my mind, it can't be the church. Um, but is there a is there, Sorry, so excuse me, just a minute. Is there a principle? Of course, we're going to be taken suddenly, and we want to be about his business before he comes. We don't want to stand before him ashamed. We want to stand before him and hear the well done. So yeah, we can take things from that, and it will happen suddenly. But I don't think that is describing exactly that. Yeah. What were you going to say, Vanessa? Yeah
3: <laughs> he would not necessarily have been
0: aware that you've been raptured. Well no I've told him if he does well, it, I've know. been raptured So what
3: I mean is he
0: won't Oh no he won't have seen it and that's the whole point people <laughs> oh, will suddenly him in the No he will call us he will call us and we'll be raised up to meet him. And that's the thing is, you know, we can't be walking around like this all the time because <laughs> we, I mean, if we're always looking up looking up like this, we won't be taking note of what we're doing down here. I think it's just to tell us, live in such a way that you're ready at any time to face the Lord. And don't don't be afraid of things that talk about the darkness and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the... As if that's where you're going. You are not going there. Mm-hmm.
3: Also, living in this way, it, God wants the best for us, and he wants to be glorified. Yeah. So this is a sort of a winner in every exactly. way. Exactly, yeah. It's not really just about the fact that we'll be yeah. ready for him. Yeah. It's how we living our lives on a minute by minute. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. And it's the best. Yeah, it is. I'll quote you <laughs> many times. Yeah. You have to be doing that best. Yeah. best, that you can yeah.
0: Yeah, but I think the thing is again. Remember, your sins are paid for—past, yeah. present, future. Mm-hmm. The sins that you haven't even thought of yet are paid for. It's so, like you said, wants to stand Jesus. exactly. Oh, yeah, I don't think he will tell it to you like that. I just think that there won't be the crowns that you want to receive, and you re- want to receive the crowns because you want to give them back, but don't what, you? What happens if people in
2: the church or church leaders and that?
0: they squash you they won't
2: let you do anything yeah they
0: won't let you get on and do what yeah. you need you can still go to that place cuz they definitely need witnessing to about the love of Jesus and the way that that is but you make sure you personally that you're involved in a work mm-hmm. the work that God created you in advance to do and so you find a place to do that mm-hmm. you find a place to do that um, and sometimes that's hard isn't it sometimes it's hard but other times, I think that if you're, if we say, okay, I'm ready to forgive those people who've hurt me. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm trusting you'll help me. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not living in bitterness. I'm not going to do that. I honestly believe, Carrie, that he shows you the path, the next step and the next step. Because, yeah, he wants you to know that and to walk with him. So... Sometimes we think that what we want is not what God wants, but yeah. you want to honour him, don't you? Yeah. That's what you want to do. Yeah. That's why it's so... I feel like being stopped. Exactly. That's why it's so hard. But yeah. s- but you've got to let that go, that kind of, you know, I'm being stopped and you need to... I mean, the Lord knows. Yeah. He knows what's happening. Yeah. You just have to say, okay, Lord, here I am. Where do you want me to go? Yeah. He knows your heart is hard. Yeah, and exactly. You can't be with your next-door neighbour or in a coffee group. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, who are the saved then if the church are already saved and raptured Um, you know as I I read already from Matthew 25 31 to 41 they're the Gentiles who survived the tribulation how did they treat the Jews did they believe the gospel that was preached in the mid-heaven probably Mm -hmm. Revelation 14 verse 6 says that there's a yeah it says that there's a gospel preached in the mid-heaven um did they recognize that God was at work? You know, it says in Revelation that right at the beginning, I think it's one of the first chapters, it says that, that once the wrath of God starts, the stones fell, huge boulders fell. There were earthquakes and boulders falling. And men hid in caves and said, "That save us from the wrath of God and of the Lamb. So people know that it's God's wrath. And they hide from him and, and you know, so there are people who are going to trust God during the tribulation but they won't be part of the church. You know, we we like to lump everybody together. You know, we want the church to be the Jews, Israel. We want to be Israel and the church together lovely and then anyone else who ever believes anything at all lovely, we're all together. But but it's just not there in scripture. There are different groups. Mm. They are called the tribulation saints. Yes. And they will uh, not be part of the bride of Christ, but they will spend eternity with God. No. They'll be in. Will they get a crown? Don't know. Probably not. No. Probably not because I think only the bride gets the crowns. Yeah. Uh, excuse, uh, just to say, don't rely on my in my interpretation. You know, read it, study it, look at the words, put it together. Whatever you come to, compare to what you know about God. Does this sound like this is right? Yeah.
3: Does that sound
0: like God? Yeah. Does it sound like God and does it sound like the rest of the Bible? That's the only way you can test it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... Uh, Matthew 24:25, as I've said and Luke 17 for they're, about, they're for Israel and so, but Matthew 25 verse 31 begins that where the Gentiles will be gathered together yes. and the sheep and the goats will be separated and so there will be people amongst those who have believed during the tribulation they have believed during the tribulation they're called the tribulation saints yes. Yes. most of them will have lost their lives but some of them in there will have believed. But they won't be part of the church because the church is already gone. But it they don't have to be. We don't have to have everybody yeah. in the same pot. No. No. Yeah. They're sorted, exactly. God knows who they are and, w- and what he's going to do with them. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. You know, the Bible's silent on it, Patty. It doesn't give us every single detail. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to come to the Lord and say, look, I'm reading this in Matthew 24, and it frightens the life out of me. And I don't want to go to a place with the hypocrites where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that doesn't sound like what you've promised me. We have to do that. And then I think God will give you wisdom and insight into it. Yeah. So that you, you search through and say, actually, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know it's not that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard thing because really time, that Christians live with all the
3: time. On the one hand, you we're know, having reassurance of our faith and, and to live confidently. And the rest of the time, we're fighting
0: to death, we're in yeah. We're
3: going to lose our faith.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if that, and you live in that. Yeah. Space. Definitely. Definitely. Soul and Definitely. Yeah, and that's, it is, and that's why prayer, this thing we're going to do, prayer, the weapon of war, we're in a battle. We're in a battle to hold on to the faith or the truth that I'm saved completely. Because the enemy doesn't want us to think that. And everything is a battle. And even, so then even when you come to the scripture, (laughs) you think, I don't, what, what is that? You know, that sounds like the opposite. So that's what I mean. We have to test the scriptures. We have to test and we have to put them in context Mm. and think, okay, who's he talking to? And that can't be the church because he says, when the Son of Man comes on the earth, so you know when he comes, we come with him. So we're not here waiting for him. When
1: the Son of Man comes, would he find faith? That comes to me, but
0: and jumping. Yeah, it, he he says that. I think it's Matthew 13. He says, "Will he find faith on the earth?" Yeah, it's at the end of that. Um, I think it's to do with the many are called and few are chosen. Yes. But again, again, he's talking to Israel. Yes. Yeah. All the gospels are about Israel. Yeah. Matthew, particularly, because he yeah he says that he shows Jesus as the King of the Jews. Yeah. So and the and everything. yeah.
3: He says he for the world of iron. Now he's not going to rule his church for the world of iron. So clearly there are people still alive that not necessarily Christians, but they are going to have a chance. Well, are they? I think they are going to have a chance. But the other thing is, if they were going to have a chance, he would have to the executed on earth. So he'd have to be hit mm. so up. Be mm. But
0: then, once you're dead, it's too late. Mm. Spirit yeah, spirit can go to heaven. Yeah. whilst you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. And surely people there who survive, yeah, there are. Or may not, yeah. You know, and, and I think it's these Gentiles, yeah. these Gentiles that survive. They're not all believers. I mean, they haven't all come to trust God. They've just done what's right yeah. in the tribulation. And then Jesus is going to rule for a thousand years. Yeah. And we're going to rule and reign with him. Yeah. So yeah. for that thousand years, people are going to live much longer than they did now and 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 uh it says that a young man won't uh no young men will die and i'll you know i forget how it says it but um they'll live long lives and um uh but they'll have children and some of those children won't believe in any god and they won't want to go up to jerusalem to to do what jesus says and there will be rebellion because it says at the end of um ezekiel i think it is that anyone who doesn't go up to jerusalem at that time will be punished So I think there is, sorry, Juliet, hold on a sec. There is, I think it's important that we separate. So we separate, this is the church age. When the rapture is, whenever it is, the rapture will end the church age. No more believers in the way we know it. But then Christ will ret- then there'll be a tribulation, then Christ will return, and he'll separate the righteous from the unrighteous, i.e. those who helped the Jews from those who didn't. And during the tribulation, there'll be a whole load of people who won't take the mark of the beast. They'll come to their senses, they'll hear the gospel preached, and they'll say no, and, and they'll probably lose their life we can separate all those things. We can have Israel, we can have the church, we can have the tribulation Mm -hmm. saints, we can have the righteous who go into the thousand year kingdom of God, we can. Um, And it's okay. They don't all have to be together, that's what I mean, not in one big group. Because, yeah, because God has separated it. He separated Israel from the rest of the world. He separated the church from out of the world. He'll separate the tribulation saints from the tribulation non-saints, mm-hmm. you know, and he'll separate those people who helped Israel from those people who didn't. And yeah. Yeah, we come back with Jesus. I don't know what that looks like.
3: No. No. Are we tested again?
0: No. You are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are not tested now in the way that you talk about it. That is not We're happening. For the
2: year reign. Is that, is that, but we are saved.
0: Juliet, you are saved for eternity. Now, now you are yeah. saved for eternity. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you come back with Christ, even from now, the tests that might ha- might, you might call tests in your life are for the purpose of building you up.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like the trial, yeah, <coughs>
0: yeah. Um, So, um, I'm sorry that that all got thrown in at the end of Luke. (laughs) Poor Luke, Luke 17. You never knew there was so much in it, did you? You thought it was just the words of the text, but no. (laughs) It's cleared a lot up. Has it? I hope so. I hope it doesn't complicate things a bit more. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, How am I going to finish this? How am I going to finish this? Um, Yeah, there is a huge (laughs) amount, Patty, you're right. Okay, so um, it's okay, Alan. I am so used to you making an entrance. (laughs) It's what I love about you, actually, what I really love about you. I'm sorry we don't have a path to walk and yeah so with um, Luke 17 he's talking about I think it's just uh, what I would say is if you don't take anything else take away the fact that if you have put your trust in Jesus you are completely saved there is no weeping and gnashing of teeth for you if you have put your trust in Jesus And the way that you keep reassuring yourself of that, because it's true, but we need to reassure ourselves, is that you forgive, you lay aside bitterness, you hold every thought captive, you give thanks in all circumstances, you do what Jesus has told you to do and you will find your faith building, you'll find that channel being swept clean all the time. And let me tell you, that is an amazing place to be because what happens then is when the thought comes in that you are not worthy and that you are not going to... something bad is going to happen to you, or you're going to be... You, know, you read a bit of Scripture, and you think, oh, as I say, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can immediately say, that's not for me. I am absolutely convinced that I am headed for glory. I am convinced that when I was born again, the righteousness of Christ Jesus was credited to my account, and nothing can take that away. He took my sin... He took all my shame, he took my guilt, and he th- banished it as far as the east is from the west. So those things you have to fight for, and what you what happens is you find that assurance. So, but then when I said, uh, the reason I'm saying that is that there's lots of scripture, and it's not all about uh, you. You know, there's lots of scripture about Israel. There's lots of scripture about the end times. There's lots of scripture about the tribulation saints and the, the sheep and the goats. That's not you. It's not you. So we need to learn to recognize ourselves in the scripture. We need to recognize the people that are in Christ and include ourselves in that. And that takes time and discipline. And you know, they're not, they're not things we're very liberal with. We've, we've always got so much on So many things to do. The fundamental thing that you need to do for yourself, that I need to do for me, is to know this word. It is the fundamental, basic building block of your existence. If you are not in this word, then you have no hope of any assurance, of any joy, of any peace. I mean, that's just the reality. You have to be in the word and then you have to step out in obedience to it and let God fill you with blessing as you do. You know, Luke describes this, uh, uh, this rotting corpse, where the corpse is, where the body is. Luke describes it. Revelation describes it. That's civilization. That's our humanity. It is a rotting corpse. And one day... All of those who come against the Lord are going to find that they are completely on the wrong side and have ended up in the place they do not want to be. And yeah. Humanity is like a rotting yeah. me, you
1: know.
3: It is, Patty. I mean, it is. I can, I can, I'm just trying to take it on. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. Well, that
0: makes me think of so, but the point, the whole point of it is, and what I started with the Pharisees is, know the difference, know what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is telling us some amazing truths about ourselves. Mm-hmm. He's telling us how to be certain of our faith, how to be certain of our faith. And that is to step out in obedience to what he says, even when you don't t- completely understand it. He said, "If you can't, it's the finished work of Jesus. If you have believed in Jesus, the work is done. Now, just go out in the strength of that. Because there's people out there that need to know the truth. Not that I'm suggesting you tell them all about Revelation and the rotting corpse. (laughs) They might not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So, um, faith then is the confidence that God's word is true. It enables us to not be trapped by the appearance of things now that we're not brought into. I mean, that rotting corpse has got a lot of very pretty clothes on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped up really well. And so sometimes it's hard to differentiate between reality and the illusion. And as I said, only the word is going to, um, to, to give us that. So uh, faith is the confidence that God's word is true, which means you have to understand, you have to know God's word. And uh, the certainty that it's true enables you to walk on with God. That's the, you know, we live in the rest of God. We have already entered the rest of God. The seventh day rest. We're already there spiritually. So, Yeah. So I am sorry if it all got a bit confusing in the end. Um, but I'm not sorry that it got confusing because now you'll have to go back and look at it and see. Yeah. So Father, thank you that you are not a confusing God, that your word is clear and that there are things in it that we find difficult. But thank you, Lord, that you've promised that if we lack wisdom, you will give it to us, that you are a God who gives discernment and insight and understanding. And that if we search for those things, you've promised that you will we will find them and that you will give them to us. So that's my prayer, Lord, for myself and for everyone here, that you would give us understanding, insight and discernment, Lord, that you would make it possible for us to use the eyes of our faith as we go about our daily lives, Lord, and that you would keep reminding us of the truth of your word. Keep drawing us back to it, Lord. Keep reminding us not to be distracted, not to waste time on so many other things but to concentrate our time on on you lord and on the truth of who you are i thank you so much father that you opened our eyes i just thank you and i thank you that you are drawing us closer and that as we come closer we just see those great and mighty things that you show us and so father i want to say that i want to say thank you And I want to say that we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.